is a Woodside Church podcast. It's always good to come back to family, isn't it? And uh, you feel instantly at home. After all, we are one church. We are one family. So greetings from the family in the west or Great Denham. And uh, we miss you, but nice to see you all. We continue our series, Living Strong, Teaching from First Peter. Uh, we started two weeks ago, uh, Martin started it off, and then last week we had uh, Debbie uh, continue for us. Today we continue from chapter two, but before we start reading, I'd like to set some context. So why did Peter write this letter in the first place? He wrote it to encourage the suffering Christians. Throughout the Roman Empire at that time, the Christians were being tortured, some were being killed for their faith. So Peter wrote this letter to encourage the suffering Christians. And Peter himself knew suffering firsthand. He was beaten, jailed, and threatened several times. So he knew what it meant to face challenges. And he knew Christ as well. And knew that nothing can shake his confidence in the Lord. I mean, God is so good. He's been talking to us this morning through the testimonies, through the worship, and through the prophetic word that Ruth brought. And I believe strongly that each and every one of us will have our portion this morning before we leave here. God is speaking to us through different ways. So he wrote this to the scattered church to encourage them in their faith, to bring comfort and hope, urging them to continue to be loyal to Christ. So there are many truths in this passage that we can apply to our lives as well. Even as we face difficult challenges. So Martin, during his preach, reminded us of the living hope, the gift of God, salvation that has come to us, that we belong to a new kingdom, that the trials and the difficulties that we face all come to help us build our faith and it brings glory and honor to God. And then last week, Debbie reminded us that we are temporary in this uh, place. This is not our final home. We are on transit. And that as we remain on this earth, we imitate our Savior by being holy, reverent, and loving to one another. Today we read from First um, Peter 2, 1 to 10, and the title of the preach is God's Possession. God's Possession. So I'll read and then we will um, talk through it. So First Peter 2, 1 to 10, it says that, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and 
all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for his honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What is more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And only one who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. We've heard this morning that we are what? Favored. We are chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you have received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Amen. Some beautiful words here. The first point I wanted to bring to encourage us, even as we face challenges in life, we battle with many things in life. The first point, which has also come through this morning, is that we need to cry out for nourishment from God's word. We need God's word. We read that, that, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave for pure spiritual milk so that you grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Babies cry out for milk when they need it. They will scream as if the world is coming to an end until they receive that nourishment. That is how we are to cry out for God's word. So feeding on the word of God like newborn babies brings nourishment and growth. 
other versions of the word says that long for it eagerly. Natural milk is the only food a newborn baby needs. That is the only food that is necessary for them. Nothing else. If you are a mom and you are feeding your one-week or one-month-old baby, you don't take the natural milk and add some sugar to it or add something else to it to make it taste special for your child. It goes straight in, and that is all that they need. God wants to remind us this morning that his word is all you need. The word of God is all that we need. John 17, 17 says that sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's the word of God that sanctifies us. 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All you need is the word of God. The word of God is your tool. It's full of all the vitamins that you need spiritually. It's full of all the encouragement that you need. All we can do as people of God is to point to the word of God, to encourage one another to confirm the word of God, to use the word of God to encourage. Let us feed on the word of God for nourishment. The second point that I want to bring is that Christ is the living cornerstone. We read in verse four that you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Here, Peter is referring to Jesus as the foundation and cornerstone. Now, the figure of foundation and cornerstone is not adequate to describe God in any way. It says that this stone is living, It's not like uh, a building which is inert. This building has a foundation. That foundation is is on that foundation that what we see here stands. But it's not living. But we are talking of a foundation that is full of life. Not only is it full of life, it also gives life. It gives strength. It gives coherence. So there is life in God himself because he has risen from the dead. We read in Psalm 34 and verse 8, it says that taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. He is the foundation. And we read in our passage before us today, that I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So the favor that we are talking about, that favor is found on this foundation. And if we trust in him, we will never be disgraced. The third point is that we 
are living stones. We are living stones. We read in uh, verse 5 of our passage that you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What is more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So that is the picture. Christ is the foundation. We look at this building here, there is a foundation. Jesus himself is the foundation. And we are told that we are the living stones. So you look at this building, there are many pieces of bricks put together to construct this building. And we are being reminded that we as Christians are living stones. Why are we living stones? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the foundation. We read in John chapter 14 and 19, it says that before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will live. So the life that flows out of us is because of our relationship with God. We are living stones because the foundation on which we are being built is living. And that is our source of our strength. Ephesians 4, 1 to 11, it says that, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So here, Paul is describing the church of God as a body. Jesus is the head. We are the parts, but we are all being built up into the image of God. So a building, the picture that uh, Peter used, that the church is a building consisting of the foundation, which is Christ, and the living stones, which are the individual uh, Christians. We are being built together. And then in in Ephesians, we read of uh, Paul's description of the church as a body. This too shows that we are supposed to be a community. We are a community of believers. If you look at this building, one stone cannot, you cannot build a building out of one stone. Not even a wall. You need so many stones. You need so many bricks to build a building. And it's the same with us. Even as we strive to build God's church, we need to work together. We are interdependent. That is how God created his church to be. So let us work together to build God's temple, stone by stone, on the sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the Lord. So God's church, in a way, can be compared to the church in the ancient days. But this building is being built out of spiritual materials, not physical ones. 
It does not consist of dead stones, but of sanctified souls resting on the rock, which is Christ. This reminds me of one of my favorite hymns. Some words from that hymn says that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Church, what, on what ground are you standing? What is your foundation? As you come into church day in, day out, Where is your hope? Are you resting on human beings? Are you resting on situations around? Or you are resting on the solid rock? Who is Jesus? Who is the foundation of the church? Now to the fourth point, which is the focal point of the preach today, that we are God's very own possession. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's own very possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Now I want to do a quick illustration here. So I have a commemorative pen here, very precious. So they gave that to to us at work when the site was uh, celebrating 60th uh, uh, year's anniversary. So very nice, isn't it, in its uh, case. Very lovely. Now, suppose it's lost and, uh, you know, it's been trampled upon and dirty, and someone sees it. I brought a bin bag, actually. Look, maybe you can come and hold. And then someone sees this dirty pen on the ground. Obviously, the place that person puts it is in the bin, because it's dirty. Nobody is of no use. So it goes into the bin. But God's come, God comes in. The pen is in the world of darkness. God comes in. He takes the pen, wipes it clean with his precious blood. Irrespective of all the challenges, all the mistakes, all the errors, he wipes it clean and says, I've taken you out of here. You no more belong to the bin because I've cleansed you with my precious blood. 
and now you are my own possession. You belong here. You are my treasure. You are very special. Don't go back into the bin because you are my special possession. You are God's own possession. Now, sometimes, if the antique show, you have a, a, a valuable that you don't know how much is valued, and then you take it there and they value it. All of a sudden, the way you treat that thing of yours is special because a value has been put on it. Brothers, I want to remind us that we are God's very own possession. We should not continue to live as if we are inside the bin. No matter how bad life has been, God is reminding us this morning that he has cleansed us with his own blood. We are his own treasure. We are no more in that place again. Once we were not a people, now we are God's own people. Nobody cares about what is in the bin, but we are God's own people. We are his special treasure. God's favor is on us. We've tasted of his favor. We've tasted of his grace. He is the cornerstone on which we are built. The other day I went to the I went to the shop, bought some groceries. We also needed a bin at home, so I bought a new bin. Was bringing it home and I thought, well, let me put my groceries inside the bin and carry it into the house. And then my son noticed so I told him, oh, look inside the bin. I said, but why is the food inside the bin? I said, well, it's not dirty. I was just to help me carry it. And sometimes that is what happens to us. God has cleansed us, but we keep going to the old ways. The devil comes in and reminds us of our former ways. But God wants to remind us this morning that we are his possession. He has cleansed us with his precious blood. We are a chosen people. We are people who have tasted of the favor of God. We are people who have tasted of the goodness of God. No matter our past, no matter our mistakes, it doesn't matter anymore because we have been cleansed by the power of God. The fifth point is that we are to show others of the goodness of God. So we read 9 and 10. And this time I read from the Message Bible because it's quite uh, clear there. It says that, but you are the ones chosen by God chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and to speak out for him, 
to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That is the message we are to proclaim. And so when Diane came to say, we are going to the resident's house, come with us. Come, let us go and tell of the story. Let us go and tell of the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That is our calling. And thank God, because he died on the cross, we are all priests. We can all engage in that priestly duty. We can pray for the sick. We can pray for healing. We can pray for God to break through. We can contend, as uh, Ruth said. You can stand in the gap and pray for nations. You can stand in the gap and pray for communities because you are God's holy priest. You are God's anointed. You are God's instrument. God's anointing is on you. Nothing stops you from declaring the night and day difference that God has made in your life. Tell people of the transformation that has happened in your life. From being taken out of darkness, being washed by the precious blood of the Lamb, and becoming a very special treasured possession of God. And people will see you and say, what happened to you? What became of you? And you tell them of the difference that God has made in your life. So C.S. Lewis um, said something about the Westminster Catechism. So there's one question about what is the purpose of man? And he says that man's chief end is to glorify God to and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify him. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Brothers and sisters, as we seek to glorify God with our lives, as we seek to tell people of the goodness of God, we would also enjoy him. As we tell people of the night and day difference that God has made, we will also enjoy him as well. So in conclusion, what can we learn out of these verses? The series is about living strong in difficult times. The first point we can take from this is that nourishment and growth comes from the unadulterated word of God. If we want to grow, if we want to be nourished, if we want to be encouraged, if we, we want to grow in our Christian life, nothing beats the word of God. Just like new babies, you don't take breast milk and add salt, add sugar to make it taste, uh, to make it 
taste uh, better for the child. That is all that the child needs. God is reminding us that his word is all that we need. Secondly, Jesus Christ himself is our strength and protector. He is the chief cornerstone. Thirdly, we are a community of living stones being built together into God's temple. We need each other. Don't go it alone. God did not create us to go it alone. We come here to encourage each other to lift one another up and to receive God's blessings together. And lastly, we are God's treasured possession. No matter where you are coming from, God has redeemed you. You are precious in his sight. Let's live like it and tell of the goodness of God. Amen. Let's pray. God has been speaking to us this morning in many, many ways. Through worship, the songs that we were singing, through the testimonies that came, that God is alive and he's active and he's working in us. Reflect on these words. Reflect on even the preach and what God is telling us. We are his possession to tell of the night and day difference that he's made in our lives. What are the obstacles? What is holding you back from fulfilling God's purpose in your life? Remember, you are God's possession. You found favor in his sight. Let's contend for all the things that we need to contend for. Let's meditate on this. I'm sure there will be more time to bring any word of encouragement now, even as uh, we continue to meditate on this. But I'll pray for us now. Father, we thank you for your word, reminding us that we are your special people. We are your chosen people. Even in difficult times, help us to take nourishment from your word, to rely on you, Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone, to be remembered of the truth that we are living stones and to continue in this truth to tell of your goodness wherever we find ourselves. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.